Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to BYT Radio. My name is Brandon Weatherby. BYT Radio stands for Brightest Young Things Radio. Brightest Young Things is an arts and culture website based out of Washington, D.C. with a presence in New York and Chicago. We're back at the at the Line Hotel in beautiful Adams, Oregon. We haven't been here the last two weeks because two weeks ago, our dear leader, Jack, was at South by Southwest. And that's where commerce goes to play indie music. How was it? I had the best South by Southwest that I've ever had. Because you didn't have a badge, you never left the hotel? <laughs> kind of. I did get to go places because I, I, I like interviewed, say, the publisher of Fader. And he's like, oh, come to the fort. I'll put you on the list and all that stuff. I know. That's great. Yeah, my first world life. Uh, I wasn't even going to jump really on you. Easy. I was going to compliment you for not leading with the big names. You're like the guy from Fader, which is cool. But no one knows who that is. No, no. He's but you could have led with Andrew Bird and you didn't. So good job. Oh, I, I did interview Andrew Bird. All right. <laughs> and, and then last week, uh, I was gone because I was in New York for our True Crime Festival. And uh, we had a chat with uh, Robin Bell, whose exhibit ends this Sunday. So that's definitely going to be part of our best weekend bets. And uh, that was a really easy episode for Jack to produce because all he had to do was like hit play. Yeah. And then today, unfortunately, one of my favorite songwriters, one of my favorite singers passed away. Uh, sorry I sound so happy. But he was he was seventy six, so he lived a good life. It's not like it's a he, the tragedy is a big word. It wasn't a tragedy; it's just unfortunate that uh, Scott Walker is no longer with us. But with us today is Johnny Fantastic. Johnny, how are you? Uh, I'm very sad, of but course. you're literally smiling right now. I'm smiling to hide the tears that That's are just right. dying to get out. That being said, this is the most difficult show to project to produce because as soon as I come in here. Uh, didn't give him nearly enough time. I'm like, here are 10 songs you need to play in the next 10 minutes. Good luck with that. So I apologize to Jack. And Johnny, I want to thank you for being here. Um, My pleasure. You've written for BYT for Bright Things a very, very long time. That's right. Uh, about a year now, I think. Maybe more importantly, you're a musician. That's true. And um, I feel like if you know of Scott Walker and you're a musician, you either love Scott Walker or you just don't get it. I definitely started with I just don't get it. When did you... Okay, so for the for the uninformed, Scott Walker was a pop slash rock slash crooner. Think the Righteous Brothers, that type of star in the mid to late 60s. Is that correct? I'd say that's a great analogy. And then he sort of went away for a minute, but he didn't really go away. He just went away from the pop stardom light and then came back slowly and steadily until like this year. Like he's had a record. He had a score not like a month ago, I think. Well, Scott Walker really reemerged in uh, around 2005 when he started collaborating with 4AD. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a documentary came, came out on Netflix called 30th Century Man that mm -hmm. a lot of people saw. And uh, that plus Radiohead's sort of uh, constant endorsements came to fruition around that time and people started checking him out again. We're glossing over the David Bowie love. Because Scott Walker's name originally isn't Scott Walker, the same way David Bowie's name isn't David Bowie. Uh, he clearly, not clearly, he produced a pulp record. Right. Um, he Is it Vox Luma? The, the Natalie Portman film that came Vox out. Vox like, Lux. I Vox think? Lux. He yeah. scored that. That's right. That's a 2019 film. It's 2019 mm -hmm. now. He never stopped. He was extremely active all the way up until the end, which is why I said in the piece that for me it feels like he died too young. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go with uh, your entry because my mm -hmm. entry was Instant Love. Yours was not. How did you find out about Scott Walker? Well, somebody uh, heard me perform at a karaoke bar in Japan a few years ago that yeah. Now, Jack, we talked about your first world <laughs> privilege. I think we have a competitor today. Oh, yes. I'm a I love karaoke. And uh, I'm a big schmaltz fan. I love Frank Sinatra, all of those. And one of my friends from uh, Brighton, I believe that's where he's from. You're checking all the boxes. I'm loving this. <laughs> he uh, sent me a link to Jackie, yep. the Scott Walker song. Could you cue that up? Because that was my introduction to Scott Walker. Jackie, which is not by Scott Walker. It's by Jacques Brel. This is my favorite Scott Walker song, hands down, no 
qualifiers. My favorite song from the year it was released. That and then Baby by Os Mutantes is my second favorite song. This does everything right, and in 2019, it's very problematic. <laughs> it was already problematic when it came out, and now they're just leaning in. Do we talk over the song? We could talk over the song. <laughs> if we talk sure. over the song, it's uh, fine to play. If we yeah. don't talk over the song, we're, uh, we're releasing music. <laughs> yeah, that was a good that, snippet. That's not appropriate. Okay. So uh, I love Jackie or Jackie yeah. right away. You don't. Well, at first, I think what I'm watching is some sort of modern uh, singer who's mm. uh, drawing back on a nostalgic influence and including weird imagery. Yes. Then that kind of immediately makes me think, oh, this song was made like last year. This is a throwback. What piece. year was this? Uh, like 2004. Okay. 2005. Okay. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, I hate when they just like go back and do this like nostalgia core yeah, crap. Like, this guy's probably opening up for the National on their or, or they're playing with the Walkman. Yeah. But then, of course, there's something really infectious about the song. So you go back to listen to it again, thinking, oh, I'm going to make fun of it again or something or have cynical feelings about it again. And then you're like, wait, this was made in 1968? Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so problematic and wonderful. And it leads his uh, second solo album. It's called Scott 2. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to listen to one Scott Walker album, for me, this is my one. It's definitely the most, uh, you get the most variety of what Scott has to offer. I would say this is his Nevermind. Like, <laughs> it's not, it, for like diehards, it's not What's as. the Smells Like Teen Spirit? Though? Well, that's Jackie. Jackie is the Smells Jackie course, is the Smells right. Like Teen Spirit, yes. And then. Uh, if you're like a hardcore fan, Tilt is probably there in utero. Well, for some hardcore fans, Tilt is a terrible record. I mentioned Mark Allman hates that record. Okay, so we're going all over the map here. Yeah. Scott Walker 2 comes out, and then clearly followed by Scott Walker 3 and 4. Each record, uh, Scott is doing more experimental, more personal songs, including more of his originals, and excluding some of those Burt Bacharach covers mm-hmm. that he was doing on the first two. Do you want to talk at all about the Walker Brothers? Your piece mentions it a little bit. It's pretty important. It might be more important than his solo material when it comes to pop music as a whole. Well, the Walker Brothers is the reason why uh, folks in the United States know who Scott Walker is. Okay, so uh, Jack, if it's okay with you, can we play a Walker Brothers song? Um, Can we play my favorite song? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, great. Whenever I hear the Walker Brothers, I think of two things. I think of the Righteous Brothers, clearly. And I think of uh, Walker Brothers Pancake House. I don't know what that I've is. Never tried. I don't think it's actually a thing, but it just may I think there's got to be one out there. I have to say, it sounds like a pancake house name, doesn't this it? This song is not an indicative of what the Walker no. Brothers sounded yeah. like. Not at all. You did, a, from the 70s. you did a horrible job. This is from their '75 album. Is that correct? I re- yeah. It's like I regret nothing yeah. or something. It's called uh, Night Flights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good though. Okay, Sorry. let's play okay, the one fine. people actually know from like '65. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it predates. 65. Yeah. Can we play yes, that? Yes. The actual hit? There it is. See, now we don't sound crazy when we say The Righteous Brothers. <laughs> right. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Jack. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> this is this has all that wall of sound elements, but was not produced by Phil Spector. No. Which means he was not locked in a closet, a la Didi Ramon and Ronnie Spector. Indeed. Uh, if he had any trauma from his musical oh, career, it did not come from... Uh, Phil Spector. Which is a real shame. Which I think we yeah. could all agree with. That would be a collaboration. I'm sure Scott Walker, considering how exploited he's been in his career, was ha- more than happy to bypass working with uh, Phil Spector. We'll go around that later. <laughs> all right, so that's that's very easy to like. That's, yes, you could probably hear, hear that on Oldies Radio today. This guy had like Beatlemania, basically, in, in his own version of that. I mean, people were, there's stories of his car getting turned over by fans and him being upside down in a car with people beating against Clearly that didn't happen, but that's awesome. Because <laughs> cars back then were even heavier than they are today. Have you tried to lift a car? Have you ever been the subject of a uh, crazed London mob? Yes. So moving on. <laughs> uh, so. The, the good thing about Scott Walker is um, I'm an ugly American, and I was always just like, I'll never be as cool as this British dude. You're actually pretty cute, but okay. Thank you so much. He's from Ohio. That's true. That's an Ohioan. Yep. Not what you think of when you think of Scott Walker. He's not, it's not like he was raised his whole life in Ohio, though. He, uh, his dad was really wealthy. He was an oil baron, mm-hmm. and so... Uh, Scott moved around to Texas, uh, Colorado, a few other places in the United States, and uh, was in California by the end of the 50s. Do you think that because he never had to really worry about money, 
he was able to take other people's songs and not worry about authenticity? I don't know, because I think somebody without money would probably be equally uh, incentivized to sell out in some way, shape, or form. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's selling out. I just think it's, it might be a little bit easier to try on other people's personas when you're not thinking of authenticity. And I think that when you come from a nothing scenario, more like the, the Beatles or, or, mm-hmm. or like, like that, you kind of make your own sound rather than try to keep manipulating other sounds. Oh, I understand. Yes. In fact, his mother uh, pushed him at the beginning, and as a, there's an album of him as a young boy really yes where he's like singing like wop bop a lap up a doop dap doop type stuff you know and like that's fantastic you know uh me and jenny or something yeah yeah doing the sock hop yeah um okay so let's move on uh we're in the scott two right now okay scott two is not a hit in the states he doesn't ever really have a hit in the states other than the walker brothers is that correct? after the walker brothers he uh the walker brothers was more popular in england to begin with sure he's always been more popular in england right and that pulled scott towards europe he was also kind of a more eurocentric personality himself he wore suits and was into fellini and bergman films uh, he didn't really fit in with the surfer culture that surrounded him in he's Los got, Angeles. He's got, is, is, is it like Scott Four or maybe the fifth album where he's got like songs about Fellini characters? Bergman. Uh, yeah. There's a, uh, the first opening track of Scott Four is about, it's called The Seventh Seal. And it's Could we play a little bit of that? I very much movie. enjoy that song. The Seventh <laughs> Seal, uh, Scott Four. Um, yeah. Thank you. This is really good. Get a sense of his soundtrack sensibilities here. Anybody seen a night pass this way? Now, I don't know if this is he's been used by Tarantino, but I could see that in every Tarantino film other than Reservoir Dogs. It's very good, the bad and the ugly, Sergio Mar is it Sergio Marconi? Yeah, or? and Marconi did the hateful eight. Oh, yeah. So it's not crazy to think that, but um, the fact that Tarantino doesn't always use like the original like Bang Bang My Baby Shutting Down is a share song it's not a Nancy Sinatra song but he went with the Lee Hazelwood version which is very reminiscent of everything Lee Hazelwood ever did is very reminiscent of everything Scott Walker did in the early 60s right or sorry late 60s anyways moving on mm-hmm. that's Scott 4 Scott 5 comes out it never charts in there's America there's no Scott 5 <laughs> no 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 the fifth record it comes out in the same year 1970 Scott 4 is the Scott 4 is the that, last Scott 4 that's like his masterpiece that flops and Changes his uh, relationship to pop music, makes him realize it's not worth it. According to the myth at that point, okay. Scott like runs away in disgust to a monastery. There's a few other rumors about him. What, he, what did he actually do? Um, it's difficult to say because he was so tight-lipped about his private life. Like David Bowie said, who knows anything about Scott Walker? And this is one of his... Uh, biggest influences Mm -hmm. and he knows absolutely nothing about his personal life uh but from the little bit of shades of uh recollections that i've read about it seems like scott walker was just really trying to fade away from all of the attention that came with being a pop star okay um being in the tabloids he was kind of just seeking privacy and trying to kind of fade back into a normal life and said that he rode the bus and things like that. Uh, really quick, what is Till the Band Comes In? Because I've been listening to that a lot. Oh. That's the fifth record, I thought. Yes, Till the Band Comes In is like half uh, Scott original material, half like Kenny Rogers covers. So was this <laughs> like, was this his like B-Sides record then? In a sense. Okay, because um, it came out the same year as Scott Four. Yeah, this... This record, I, I'm not exactly sure why that record came out okay. around the same time as Scott Four, but I know that Scott Four was a flop, and uh, Scott Walker says that, in his view, the record company sort of treated him like he had leprosy at that point. They just okay. didn't want to go near him. Okay, so maybe this was like a contractual obligation. Let's just get this out. There's a few records that fall under that framework. Is that how, like, because there's the compilation, Scott, Scott Walker sings Jacques Brel, and that's the guy that wrote Jackie. Right. And a bunch of others, and he did a lot of that earlier on. Yes. So just repackaged comps. Exactly. Okay. So then he goes away for a second, and by goes away, we mean he lives a normal person's life, which sounds crazy. <laughs> um, then we come back to Tilt. That's about the 90s now. Okay. Tilt is the thing that we've referenced before. That's the polarizing one, or one of the many polarizing ones. There's uh, indications in 
pre-tilt that Scott is starting to go in a totally new direction. Okay. But it's not so polarizing as what he presents with tilt. The first song is very beautiful and a little challenging, but still accessible. But from that point on, the record just becomes very... um, stark and unmelodic there's a lot of long 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 songs that are really slow and you could hear a lot of what bowie ended up doing later in his career with tilts more so than like scott too uh definitely okay if, if, although the early, well the early scott walker stuff influenced david bowie to be like that style of a for sure personality on stage and um, if you look at david bowie's first self-titled record uh, the teeny bopper one he's blatantly stealing scott walker's look yeah like there's no qualifiers and that's okay it's he fine. would admit that yeah uh bowie was the best stealer <laughs> i think he <laughs> anyways <laughs> i started thinking of like reggie bush or whatever <laughs> He was the best, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Anyway, sports radio. Um, what's your favorite Scott Walker song that you've heard in a stadium? Go. In a stadium? Stadium Walker. I have never heard a Scott Walker song in a stadium. He did not perform live. Ever. Uh, after He did a that tour point. in 67. I think it was like him, Hendrix. Yeah. And who else? The, that was the Walker Brothers, and Hendrix was on the bill, and Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah, that's a that's a show. I love Engelbert Could Would that be... <laughs> Would that be today? If you had to do that, that that might be the greatest show of all time. That if it's would, an all, if you, the only qualifiers, it has to be all dudes. That might be the greatest lineup of all time. It would be like Kendrick Lamar and uh, like. Okay, here's the thing. Who would you want to actually? Jeff Buckley. See? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I hate Jeff Buckley. By the way, uh, Jeff Buckley <laughs> needs to be to bullied more. Jeff Buckley needs to be bullied more, and he helps create the men's rights movement. Stop fucking crying. Start cleaning your goddamn room. Why are you swimming in the mud, you suicidal dick? But what were you going to say wow, about Jeff Buckley? I was going to say he was overrated, but you Fuck took it Jeff to a whole other level. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff Buckley. I will shove you. Fuck you. Take. <laughs> All, this is sports radio. I thought we were doing yeah, <laughs> sports radio show. It is opening day. I'm very excited for the Cubs. Anyways, um, could we play the Bowie track that we talked about before? Yeah, this song, Heat is very reminiscent of Tilt and Climate of Hunter. Now, we're playing you David Bowie and not Scott Walker on our Scott Walker Remembrances show because, unfortunately, Scott Walker's influence is definitely greater in terms of influence than his actual music. And... Um, it's not a for, bad thing. No. It's what it is. I, I think that one of the things that makes that special is the fact that at 76, unlike many other artists who were so yeah. prominent... Uh, he was still trying new things. He didn't have the pressure of having to appeal to a fan base. Now, let's talk about the pressure idea. This is Bowie in 2000, was it 14 when the right. next day came out? I think Blackstar is maybe in his top five records of all time. I agree. And that came out, what, the Friday before he passed away on a Monday? Sure. Other than, so who else is there that puts out their last piece and it's like pretty much just as good as their first piece? Uh, Lou Reed and Metallica. Okay, don't make fun of that. Is it Lolo or Coco? Lulu? Could you play some Lulu now? Please play some... Do I have to? Oh, you have to. Please play some Lulu. Here's why I think this record is secretly brilliant. Because Uh they got paid to do it. Mm. They did exactly what they wanted. And also Metallica's most recent record is legit great. No qualifiers. Not like It's good for blank. No, it's a great record. That's enough of that. Nope. Poorly Lulu more. (laughs) I want to hear those really... I want to hear Lou Reed talking. Splashy symbols. With Hetfield in the background. It's amazing. Come on, let's skip to some lyrics here, baby. I think a lot of critics miss the point on this record, but... Yeah, they don't care and they like to hang out with each other. This sounds like a promo song for like... uh, like a teen TV show, it does, like Seventh Heaven or something. What's wrong with Seventh Heaven besides <laughs> that guy being a creep? <laughs> well, he's in Seventh Heaven now. We're going to do a Lulu tribute night. <laughs> this is exactly what the Scott Walker tribute show should be. Oh, God. Anyways, yeah. so that Bowie track we played, that's a that's lot nice more thing. digestible than Scott Walker's last 14 years of output. Scott Walker's last 14 years of output requires... Uh, you effort, yeah. I would say. Now, to me, if you're going to put him in any camp, you have to put him in the, the Bowie camp and the Eno camp where they never sucked. They weren't always easy to read. 
some of it was incredibly poppy. Like here come the warm jets, most of Bowie's 70 stuff and 80 stuff. And then clearly the first four years of Scott Walker solo material. And then it's just whatever the hell they want for however long they want to do it. Not really caring. And I think that only comes with financial freedom. All three of those gentlemen have that. Well, I can certainly record whatever I want. Uh, no one hears it, but uh, that's the difference. I do it for free. <laughs> now, how did he? How did uh, Walker influence you? Well, after I heard Jackie and started to like it, um, I checked out his. I, I started listening to Scott one through four. Didn't really hit me at that time, but the drift was the first record that I really just gave into the whole Scott Walker thing. And that record influenced me tremendously. What year did that come out? 2005. Now what on the drift, what's one song that we can play that doesn't take two minutes to get into, uh, just play Cossacks are the first track. Okay. Yes. Right into it. I was listening to that today. That's yeah. a good song. Uh, it's, I would say that's the best song on the record because it's the most digestible. It's the most digestible. So get ready to digest this. <laughs> it is not. Is really that okay? That Jack? Digestible. Sorry, come again. Cossack's arm? R. R. Cossack's R. Uh, first track on The Drift. The 2005 album on the 4AD record label by Scott Walker. Pulling it up. I need you. a minute here. No, no, it's going to take a minute to yeah. even. You could be playing it right now and I wouldn't know. Um, but the first record I came out with uh, was called Bluebirds, Bluebirds, Bluebirds. And that record was basically just me trying to do The Drift in really? a more fun way. What I hear a lot of in this is killing joke. Mm. And I mean that as a compliment. I, I mean it as like reformed mid aughts killing joke. Bowie is blatantly stealing this singing style on Tis a Pity She's a Whore, which is on Blackstar, his last Tis album. A pity she's a whore. Because it's super yeah. fun to do that low register. Uh, Klaus Nomi meets Frank Sinatra thing. Oh, definitely. And yeah, Scott Walker was one of the first to really do that. Uh, he was definitely one of... It, it's interesting that his register got higher as mm-hmm. he got older. So his first... Uh, he was originally the bass player of the Walker Brothers. And John Walker, who was the singer, uh, didn't have the, regist- the lower register to sing some of the songs that they were trying to do. And so Scott Walker started singing songs like The Sun is, Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. And he had a deep voice. Loneliness is a cloak you wear. You have a good voice. Thank you. I am a singer. but That doesn't mean a goddamn thing and you know it. <laughs> but by the time he's in his 70s and he's doing the drift, he's like, you know, Oh, God. Oh, God. Like... Do you know if Scott Walker smoked his entire life? Because in those early videos and stuff, he's always mm-hmm. smoking. I know he drank for a lot of his life. He's Which big, is awesome. Big fan of white Russian or he- black Russians, he said in one of his interviews. Is a black Russian just the same without the cream? Is it Kahlua and vodka? I thought it was just like, I thought I had a coffee in it. I don't know. <laughs> Jack, could you do us a favor and look up um, how to make a correct black Russian? And we're both real dumb right now. Yeah. Coca-Cola. It is and- um, tea. Vodka and coffee liqueur. Okay, so, uh, yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about it. that. Um, all right, so this is a guy that, clearly that sound is not for everyone. Oh, you know who else it reminds me of? David Byrne. David Byrne's like, here's my fun talking heads, bouncy, yeah. blah, 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 and now here's me doing a musical about Imelda Marcos and flags. You know what I mean? It is a similar vocal register. It's like that. Hey, huh, yeah. huh. It's you fun. Know, it's up there. Yeah, I like it. Um, all right, that to me... A good bridge between those two things is pulp. Sure, because pulp we have the we have the common people stuff uh, where everybody likes that stuff is dancey. That's clearly the early Scott Walker stuff. And then the later stuff, some of the Jarvis solo stuff is definitely more from like the drift or tilt. Now, could you, Jack? What are you playing right now? This is Weeds Two from uh, We Love Life, which is the album that Scott Walker produced a That's few right. years before the album that you loved. Came yeah. This is the last yes. studio record by Pulp. <laughs> a story of cultivation, exploitation, 
You know, I've never heard <laughs> Sounds this. Sounds like this Curtis Mayfield. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard this record, so. <laughs> no, that's the problem. Actually. A lot of people <laughs> haven't. It's all spoken word, huh? And he, well, it's pulp. Uh, <laughs> I would like to say, this might come off as an insult, that Jarvis Cocker has figured out how to age as Scott Walker better than Scott Walker did. We're transitioning from, he never became a reckless, he never sucked. He still creates really great music, but it doesn't, sure, he's not selling as many right. albums as he did in like 94, but literally no one is. And he still wears those tight suits. And yeah. Like Scott Walker was wearing a t-shirt and a baseball cap for most of his later career. Which is still a fine look, <laughs> which is not as good. Scott Walker clearly wanted a different life than Jarvis Cocker, um, but I think that Jarvis Cocker, because he came from poverty, he had to make his own sound quicker than Scott Walker did. That's certainly an... I'm just throwing out some yeah. scenarios here. I'm not saying one is better or worse than the other because clearly I, I enjoy both artists are quite a bit. Right. It's just, I think that, like, literally, Jarvis Cocker's most famous song is about not being rich. Yeah, Scott Walker doesn't sing about the... Well, he does sing about poverty, but it's definitely coming from a place of someone who doesn't particularly have a lot of experience in poverty. When he's singing about poverty, he's usually the evil protagonist in the song. <laughs> and that's a good yeah. thing. Like he's he's some somewhat self-aware. Scott Walker's political bent had more to do with um anti-fascism than anything. A lot of his songs talked about dictators um and a lot of stuff about the army. Yeah, army, draft, the draft. Well, come, keep in mind this is like 66 to 70, so Yeah. And he is from America even though he's recording in England. Right. This kind of matters. Yeah. And then on The Drift, he's got Clara, which is about Mussolini's um, uh Now, do you think mistress? that's be- because he spent so much time in Europe and was m- way more beloved there? And like all those films, a lot of those films that we referenced earlier have to do with things like fascism? Or is this like way too Psych 101 easy analysis? It's just tough to say how much the Eurocentrism ha- has an effect on his uh, uh, anti-fascism. Um, it just seems more a product of his contrarian nature as an artist that he's, instead of taking on subject material that's um, lighthearted or involving love and, or romantic relationships, he's writing songs about dictators, mistresses. and. Speaking of contrarian, let's get back to you. You're a contrarian when it comes to music and presentation. No, I'm not. <laughs> what are the name of your uh, multiple bands Sorry. or acts? Um, what should I refer to them if it's a solo project, not a band? Right now, I'm just Stronger Sex. Everything's just been... You're just... Sor- like you've completely that. gotten rid of all the other ones. Yeah, I've shed, cut the dead weight. All right, fine. You're just Stronger Sex. Yes. What's the premise of Stronger Sex? The premise is that I am a biological male. Mm-hmm who would like to express themselves uh, outside of gender. Mm-hmm. And the way that I do that is through music because uh, real life puts us in boxes and per- forces us to conform even when we're trying not to. It's very Scott Walker in that way. Sure. That being said, a lot of those first few songs, those first four records, those solo records, are about gender in the F word, not not the F-U-C-K word, but the other F word, is used uh, occasionally. Yeah. Uh, those are in the Jacques Brel songs. Exactly. But he chose to sing those songs. Sure. Do you, as someone who likes to play with gender, I think that's fair to say you like to play with gender. Right. Does that bother you in any way, or is it a time and a place thing where it's okay? It does bother me. Okay. bothers me because, in one sense, it's a sign of the times mm-hmm. that he was living in. It reminds you that uh, gay rights was something that in uh, those songs are considered exist. a joke. Well, the the thing you have to remember about those songs is that they're satires and they're exactly uh, inhabiting a personage. But is it the same way the Beastie Boys' "Fight Your Right to Party" is a satire, where the snake is now eating its tail, and now that's the audience of the Beastie Boys? Do you see what I'm going with this? I don't think that uh, Scott Walker had a huge uh, audience of ultra-masculine You're telling me (laughs) Scott Walker wasn't huge in the bro community in the 60s? Yeah. No, of course not. I agree with you completely. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Oh, Um, (laughs) everyone loves devil's advocate. uh, A great movie starring Keanu Reeves. Vanity, my favorite sin. Uh, Everyone loves Keanu Reeves this week because he was in an airport and just not a dick. 
Did you see that story? That's like the general theme of Keanu Reeves stories. Is like, like, oh, he, that was in a, he was in the subway and he wasn't a dick. Yeah. He was at the this is kind of Chinese restaurant. It wasn't how a dick. low the bar is to be like, what a beloved, nice man. He just wasn't an asshole. That's yeah. it. It does freak me out that he did that advertisement, though, where he's just shooting guns for like three minutes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was a YouTube ad, and it's just him training for a movie, and he's just like ducking and yeah, firing guns. And I'm like, this is... This scares me. Well, do you like John Wick? Who's that? Oh, you seriously don't know? I don't know ever. John Wick is the Keanu Reeves film series that became like a surprising hit. Really? John Wick 3 is about to come out. Jack, am I crazy here? I've never seen it, but... Do you know of John Wick? Yeah, I know of it. Okay. The whole premise is like they killed his dog or his cat and now he's real mad. (laughs) And that's why all the animal people love him. Can we talk about your love of history really quickly? Absolutely. I think you get a... We're going to get back to Scott Walker. I think this is a little Scott Walker in you, too. Scott Walker, we talked about... He's singing about an era that he was kind of born into, but didn't really live through. Right. You're currently wearing an Abraham Lincoln lapel pin. You're currently... There you is. You used to have an act named after a, 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 a somewhat infamous mistress based on a president. Nan Britton. These... You care about history. You had a presidential trivia night on President's Day this year, or that week. Yeah. Why? Like, what about American history makes you interested? Well, one thing is, it's sort of bred into me from an early age. Um, I sort of do it automatically, because since I was very young, I was going to presidential historic sites and other kinds of historic sites. I think it started because there was a schoolhouse in my very boring town of Lynnhurst, New Jersey, that was built in 1802. Okay. It had a sign on it that said, built in 1802. And that just blew my imagination away to know that this place was built so long ago that it had reached into another century that I suddenly became, just learning historical things invokes this ecstasy within me. uh, Have you been to Europe? I have been to Europe and Asia. Uh, the, the things in Europe and Asia tend to be a little bit older. Well, it depends on what American history you're studying, right? Okay, so it, well, you mentioned we mentioned Nan Britton, mm-hmm. we mentioned Lincoln, we mentioned 1802. What other American history are you studying? Uh, right now, I'm studying a lot about antebellum uh, um, black uh, armed revolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were over 300 instances recorded of. African-American slaves uh, picking up arms and attempting to uh, fight against the slave system, and some of them succeeded. But that's only still like 200 years old. It's still not Europe old. Right, but uh, what happened in the United States happened concurrently with Europe. No, so this I don't is disagree. All, so there's old European history and there's recent European history. Sure, sure, sure. The British Empire was involved and the Spanish and French empires were involved in all the stuff happening in the United States as well. So it does connect to uh, old European history in that way. Does it get reflected in your songs in any way? Sure. Well, Nan Britton was uh, me just reading Nan Britton's salacious book about Warren Harding with whom she had an affair and she had his baby. Uh, Elizabeth Britton. She wrote a book about their affair, and I was just rummaging through that book and writing songs about different things I'd read in that book. Is your ideal job to get paid by like presidential libraries to like write albums about the president's like seedier sites? (laughs) Trump the musical. That's easy. Whatever. No one cares. Like I don't care. I mean, more people would care. I'm like, but like Harding, Calvin Coolidge the musical. Yeah. Um, Well. I have never seen Hamilton. I have no desire to see Hamilton, and mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy that everyone that is enjoying Hamilton is enjoying Hamilton. Sure. It's just not for me. Yeah, I, I'm i not against it, but fate has not brought me directly to it. So yeah. I'm not, if you if you wanted to send me to do a review of yeah, it, I would exactly. go. But. Well, I, actually, Svetlana, um, the head honcho at BYT, wrote a, actually a really good piece about Hamilton and like DC and scene and in DC in 2018 hmm. versus scene in New York in like 2015 and like how different that is now and like what does it even mean? Right. So I recommend that piece. Um, anyways, we're kind of talking about you and Scott Walker, and I think we're doing an okay job, but right. David Bowie is sadly no longer with us. Pulp is no longer a band. There is one band that's going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year that has been heavily influenced by Scott Walker, who I enjoy. I think you enjoy them as well. 
Because didn't you just recently review them for us? Or kind of. You recently reviewed a Tom York show for us. Ah, Radiohead. Yes. There you go. Radiohead. Indeed. Now, to me, Radiohead has never sucked. And I think it's yeah, incredibly it's easy to just dismiss Radiohead now as like a has-been band. But they've never stopped trying. Scott Walker never stopped trying. It took him a long time to release albums. Radiohead's been a hell of a lot more consistent. Tom York has been a hell of a lot more consistent. And Johnny. Yes, Johnny clearly with the film yeah. scores and stuff like that. But there's still you could still hear Scott Walker and Radiohead in 2017 or 18. When did that record? When did Moonshin Pool come out? I'm guessing 2018. Okay. I can't remember. So we play that song from Moon Shaped Pool, the Radiohead song uh, that that has a little bit of Scott Walker in it. I'm not really sure which one we, we settled on. Um, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. I remember it has this very boy-child-esque... Um, that's a Scott Walker song. It's not this, is it? I don't think it's this one. Daydreaming. No, that's the Brian Eno one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's clearly the Brian Eno one. Yeah. Um, uh, it might be called Full Stop or Glass Eyes. I think it's Glass Eyes. All right. I seem to remember it being a short one. Oh, that's another thing we should talk about with Scott Walker. When we're talking about Scott, one, two, three, four, most of these songs are under three minutes. Yeah, in the early in the early days, because there was a sense that Scott Walker would have commercial appeal back then. Yeah, clearly this is not going to happen. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah. Is that a live recording? Yeah, it's a live one. Jeez, YouTube. So this is a song that clearly has zero commercial appeal. Though I could sure. see it in a commercial. Touche, touche, touche. But this is the kind of song, and I think this is true with a lot of Skywalker stuff, especially the later stuff, where it's like, if it's your song, it's your song. Like, that's going to be on your mix. That's the thing you're going to listen to on and the walk And you can tell home. everybody this is your song. I hate you right now. Uh, so, Skywalker, great life. Never sucked. I, it's somewhat disappointing that he never toured. I think he never sucked. Even the cheesy like covers of uh, Kenny Rogers and Burt Bacharach are, to me, masterpieces as well. Kenny Rogers has some I amazing material. Oh, of course, yes. But I don't like this narrative of like that 4AD pushed that um, Scott Walker had to do all this crappy music and then now he's doing the oh, real no, music. No, that's horrible. That's stupid. I don't... I still think even the quote-unquote M.O.R. cheesy uh, schmaltzy songs are just masterpieces. What's the 80s album? Climate of Hunter. Climate of Hunter. That's the album I like the least, and it's not necessarily his fault. It's just the 80s production. And you get the exact same thing with Leonard Cohen. Can we play Leonard Cohen's The Jazz Singer? Oh. Arguably, or not arguably, hands down the worst Leonard Cohen song of all time. There's a little bit of that type of production in that 80s yeah. Scott Walker record. I still love Climate of Hunter, though, as well. And I, I find, find that, song. that third song on Climate of Hunter, Sleepwalker's Woman, is one of his best songs ever. I think. Maybe it's just called Jazz. Jazz Police, maybe? Jazz Police, that's it. Yeah. It's even Jazz Police. Oh, well, that, that's the song. Come on, give, me, like, give me that Jazz Police. Sounds like Beetlejuice. Yes. Uh, I was convinced that was two songs playing at once, and I thought I've I done that a lot on this show. Jazz Beetlejuice. Wednesday morning. Yeah, they are. Here, give me that jazz police. Jazz police. Okay, that's awesome. That exists. I actually like this. That's so good. Well, you like it because I presented it as the worst Leonard Cohen song ever. No, if I didn't know it was and Leonard jaunty. Cohen, I'd be like, "This is cool." Yeah. Jesus, taken joyous. Come on, this is like the worst of 80s cocaine on a record. It's like, we saw Ghostbusters and heard that soundtrack. Maybe Leonard Cohen could do it. We have the Ghostbusters. We need a jazz police force. Uh, if only they had rock and roll back in the days of like Byron and we could have hear, heard their like cheesy 80s production songs. Just like, because Cohen was a poet originally. It's Cohen hard to poet. see that chasm between where he starts and then hearing like a song like that i can i could clearly see it it really? went up his nose yeah it's clearly right there it's <laughs> it's the 80s and that's the problem True. with all this stuff like the best cure stuff is weighed down a little bit by that shitty mid 80s production mm. and, and i understand zz top a band that's never sucked but for some reason like their biggest hits are like 80s synth drums it doesn't yeah. make any sense like this is a three-piece garage band from texas well what's interesting about the drift which is 2005 is that the production is much drier there's not there is reverb, but it's very like strategically placed. It's not this sort of cloud like climate of hunter mm-hmm. of 80s production. It's much drier. I think he had a vision that was just too young 
for what was available in the sure. 80s. And the 90s was like halfway there. Tilt is such a weird album. But The Drift is just perfect. Could we get to your music and then close out this segment and then come back with Best Weekend Bets? Absolutely. What is a stronger sex song that Jack could play that is most Scott Walker-esque? Because you guys don't sound anything like Scott Walker. No, but uh, I guess that's intentional. I don't want to sound too much like like him. But yeah. uh, also, you're you're in your thirties or twenties. Thirties. You're in your thirties. Like you're not there yet. Like you need to be, like right. You I need, need to, to drink be more black Russians. Exactly. You need to be like sixty plus. Right. Or like twenty five and under. Yeah. Um, how about what? Out. I mean, what do you have access to? My Spotify. I'll just. Google or Spotify, uh, Apple Music. You can Spotify me, and I have um, the most recent album is on there. Um, gee, I don't even know. Maybe like Code Green. That one's really weird. Code Green on the on the Stronger Sex record. It sounds like late Scott Walker. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right, we're going to play this song, and then we're going to come back with Best Weekend Bets. Is that okay, Jack? There it is. Stronger Sex. Stronger Sex, when is your next show? June... I want to say June 6th. It is. 6 6 6, six, six exactly. Where is it at? Uh, the Pie Shop with nice. Loy Loy and Lotion Princess. Oh, that'll be fun. Hell yeah. Do you ever wish that your band name was Lotion Princess? Because it's such a good name. That's not I, a joke. I, I love that name. never wished it. I, I don't do know how many wishes you get, yeah, so unlimited. I wouldn't want to waste one. Waste. Uh, do you ever worry about Stronger Sex because your initials are SS? Yes. Yeah. I'm very uh, strict about not calling it SS for the reason that it's... There are other SS acronyms through history. Yeah, Scissor Sisters. But... It's the only one. (laughs) No, there's there's a few others I can't think of right now, but there's others that are unrelated to that whole period. But yes, I worry that people will call us SS for short. Don't do that, please. Okay. Um, What are your thoughts on the pie shop? I've never been there. It's good. It's not bad. You would think it sucks because it's called the Pie Shop, but it's like a really good setup. Rick Irby is doing sound there now permanently, so it's got to be good. He's a great sound person. Yeah, that usually doesn't matter though when it comes to booking. So good luck with that. It's a <laughs> great, no, it's like a surprisingly really good spot. Yeah, and I I know that sounds like an insult. It's not meant to be an insult. 
No, that's that's good. Every Thursday on British Young Things, we publish our Best Weekend Bets. We have uh, three different editions. We have uh, DC Best Weekend Bets, Queer Best Weekend Bets for DC Proper, and then New York City Best Weekend Bets. Uh, to get those email, to get on our email list, go to BritishYoungThings.com, and you will get Best Weekend Bets before everyone else. That is sometimes important because we also sell a lot of tickets to a lot of events. And the first batch of tickets are always the cheapest and the most available. And then things sell out and they get mad at me. And I'm sorry about that. Moving on. <laughs> uh, our Thursday event of the night is uh, BYT Murder Club wraps up with Audition at Sun Cinema. Sun Cinema is a lovely little movie theater and bar and everything else in uh, Mount Pleasant. Uh, BYT had Hancho Svetlana did a great job curating this year's BYT Murder Club in honor of uh, Women's History Month and our True Crime Festival. <laughs> so it wraps up tonight. Uh, I'm very excited about the return of baseball. It's opening day. Uh, who's your favorite? Base- what's your favorite baseball team? Ooh, you're not gonna like it. Why? New York Yankees. I don't care. Really? Yeah, I don't care. I'm well, a Cubs nice. fan. I've been cussed out before. We're the most evil team right now. It's owned by the Ricketts. Yeah. Like we have horrible <laughs> owners. If it wasn't for Laura Ricketts, I wouldn't be a Cubs fan. But it's opening day. I'm very excited. My Nationals preview is up on BritishJunkThings.com. I'm very proud of it because I do talk shit about the team and I talk shit about the stadium. But I also give a lot of credit to the field. Uh, they did a great job at the stadium this year. Anyways, <laughs> some of us are very excited for Jawbreaker at the Anthem. So those are very three very different Ooh, options. That would be fun. A somewhat nostalgia show at the Anthem. Yeah. A murder-themed movie it's sun cinema one holds 6600 people one holds maybe 60 and then baseball <laughs> it's gonna be great moving on to friday oh jack you got any picks for this weekend i'll be in new york city um doing a full service radio pop-up at the freehand hotel i was at the freehand all last week oh yeah yep it's fun stuff it's a place yep here's the way i like the freehand number one in the gym they got pelotons <laughs> huge fan of pelotons number one number two free apples Yes, that's <laughs> I eat true. Three, three apples, apples a day. Yeah, it nice. was great. That being said, I am developing a cold, so that's a lie about the doctor thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the third thing I like about the freehand: well-designed postcards. Also true. I am like the one person that sends postcards still. So those are three things I liked about go. the nice. freehand. That's okay. really good. Weird neighborhood. Yes, sort of not in a neighborhood. You know what I mean? Gramercy is yes. a weird little. It's a real area. novelty for me, having lived in New York most of my life, to like stay in Midtown. Yo, it's, it's not like, Midtown though. It's just south of Midtown. I mean, it's that's the thing. It's close like enough. it's weird. Why are you going to the Freehand specifically? Uh, it's a Sedell property, so um, they have actually a little radio thing. There's a little radio booth there that hasn't been activated much, so I'm kind of doing a full service take. Very cool. And, yeah, it'll be fun. Have fun out there. Thanks. Uh, moving on to Friday for not the Freehand Hotel. Here's the thing that I actually think sounds kind of cool, and it's like an only in DC thing. Uh, La Grande Fête sure. at the the Embassy of France. Ah. So it's thirty French speaking countries doing like a food and drink dance party type of thing. Wow, Isn't that's that, gonna be delicious. That's a very fun thing yeah. for DC. Um, really good art uh, openings this weekend. Uh, the first one is Contemporary Craft at the Runwick. Uh, I like craft stuff, so I'm into that. And then the other one is the exact opposite of craft because craft is all about small, and this is all about big. Uh, Woman, a portrait of persistence exhibit opens at the National Portrait Gallery. That sounds really good. So there you go. So very culturally relevant Friday activities, not our typical, like, go watch a murder thing. You got culinary colonialism, and... uh... (laughs) There you go. You couldn't think of a third C, could you? Now you feel real dumb. You could probably... Uh, Moving on to Saturday. Cats. Saturday is my favorite event of cherry blossom season. The peak bloom is Monday, but my favorite thing is the annual Blossom Kite Festival on the National Mall. Oh. Have you ever seen that? No. Usually during cherry blossom, I'm just walking behind a ton of strollers down yeah, at yeah. the Jefferson that Memorial. That sounds right. This is great. You're going to have just as many strands, but you look up and they have kite fights Ooh. where they try to cut each other's string with the string. That sounds dangerous. It's so cool. They wear helmets? Uh, no, but they have it roped off so no one could compete in the certain areas. It's so great. And you should definitely uh, watch your face because they let kids make uh, kites mm. and they're never tall enough and you will get hit in the face of the kite. Has anyone gotten decapitated accidentally? Not or? to my knowledge. <laughs> great event. I love that. I love that. I love that. Uh, the show we're going to recommend is Methyl Ethel at DC9. Come back to BYT next week because we're doing a backstage interview with the threesome. Methyl Ethel, great band name. Yes, beautiful. Stronger Sex, great band name. Even better. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think Lotion Princess is a better band name. Well, uh, two good dance parties uh, we're going to recommend. Uh, one is Controls uh, at Trade. 
CTRL. And then I'm going to also recommend Rito Raro's uh, Afro versus Latinx, Volume 2, Colombia, Peru, Jamaica, Panama at Songbird. Ooh, that, that's going to be good. Have you ever gone to theirs at uh, either Songbird or at Hades in Mount Pleasant? I think I might have walked in by accident one day. Those are very, very fun. Moving on to Sunday. We've already mentioned this before. He was our guest on our last week's episode. It's the closing of Robin Bell's Open at the Corcoran Gallery. Robin Bell's a great artist. Uh, you have seen his stuff literally on buildings throughout D.C. He had that running with Capitol Police a few weeks ago. Uh, that's why we did that show. You should listen to it on BritishYoungThings.com. It's a free event at the Corcoran. Go to that. Uh, we're also going to recommend uh, Atlas Obscura's Evening of Wine, Spirits, and Stories at the Historic Congressional Cemetery. That sounds great. I would you def- like that I'll stuff. be there. Yeah, as soon as you said cemetery, I was like, sign me up. All right, so we have something for the dead. We have something for the living. And then here's something for the in-between. We're going to recommend DC9's Indie Rock Karaoke because you like karaoke. Yeah, but I hate indie rock, so... Says the man with an indie rock band, for better or worse. <laughs> we just talked about a man on the 4AD label and mentioned Pulp and Radiohead and David Bowie. I've been a little sassy today. You have been sassy. I like your outfit today. It's very sensible. I thought you were going back to work, but this is just a casual outfit for you. This is just casual Lincoln. Uh, what do you? Let's describe your outfit for the listener at home. Your boots... Or your, sorry, your shoes are what? They're... Uh, what do they call these? I don't know. High tops, whatever. They like but they're desert like boots or something? Desert like shoes. They're good. They'd be terrible in the desert. I don't yeah, know they why they would. And then I have a pair of khakis on, a black belt, which should be brown, but oh well. Uh, I have a shirt that I found in a, someone's front yard of a woman uh, giving the shush sign with her middle finger, and it says Berlin. It looks very Neil Gaiman-esque, Sandman type yeah. of Neil Gaiman. And I do happen to like the band Berlin, so this is perfect. fits well. And I have a, um, what do you call this, a sports coat a on? A sensible blazer with blazer. a Lincoln lapel. It's um, yeah, is, it a, lapel. is it like... Ye- brown and yellow like it's kind of it's very professorial yeah it's great uh your hair is a very sensible cut exactly you look like a like a very polite boy that's what I, that's the energy i'm trying to put out there jack and i are dressed like teens always <laughs> no i'm sort of dressed my age i'm sort of dressed like i'm friends with tim the tool man taylor a little bit i got arr, black arr. black uh shoes black jeans black t-shirt and a denim shirt opening day baby yeah i'm excited <laughs> uh jack who's your favorite baseball team the Yankees. Good for you guys. Woo. It might be a Yankees-Cubs World Series. Who? Which team is more evil? <sighs> yeah, it's going to be real disappointing. <laughs> Anyways, 6-6-19 um, at the Pie Shop is the next Stronger Sex Show. Come and see us. Read your wonderful piece on Scott Walker on brightestyoungthings.com. It's a great obit. Say hello to Jack at the Freehand this weekend. Do a Peloton class while you're there. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And have a wonderful night. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio. Broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on Mixcloud.com slash Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.